Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz. We've got Matt Harmon, also Dalton Del Don. Uh, It's NFL Draft Day, baby. Thursday, round one, just concluded. We are potting. Before all of that kicked off, though, we had Tim Tebow rejoining the chat. <laughs> then Aaron Rodgers, well, he decided to destroy Twitter server farms. And um, then night one officially started. So um, two of the three of us got quarterbacks on our new teams. Matt, uh, you got Sam Darnold a while ago. Oh, please. I have no association or affiliation with the Carolina Panthers. There is nothing I care about less than what happens to that team in 2020. All right. All right. All right. Well, there was plenty that is. But I'm happy for you guys. Happy for you guys. Happy for Allen Robinson. Happy that Dalton doesn't have to pull all of his hair out for uh, Mac Jones. Like that was uh, that that's a win for society. Like we can all be happy as a collective human experience for those two things. And the first two. Picks the first two picks of the draft went chalk for those of you who might not know Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville, followed by Zach Wilson to the Jets. I'm curious, are there any pieces of those two picks that you're looking at from a fantasy perspective, Dalton? I, okay, yeah, I, I'm no college expert here. From everything I've, uh, first of all, I had a 25 minute speech ready to complain about uh, Mac Jones going to the Niners. <laughs> so I don't know where we go from here. I, I saved all the podcast <laughs> listeners. Uh, the Trey area, I'm excited. Happy for you too, Liz. I'm a Justin Fields guy, so this should be a happy, happy uh, podcast. But having said that, I actually think Zach Wilson kind of screams obvious bust. Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Oof. but the labrum surgery on both shoulders possibly thumb surgery his player profiler comp is johnny manzel one of eight byu teammates last year who wasn't a, and he wasn't a captain um he had to compete for the job but they had a top 10 offensive line their competition obviously his teammates weren't as good as alabama but byu's schedule was easy you look at thor nystrom who was just on the pod with andy and he has a great um splits you know and he's uh he just beat up the bad competition so I think Zach Wilson is is a real lot of red flags. It could be a bust, especially joining you know, the Jets organization. So you're not believing that because he can throw off platform and Mike LaFleur is so incredible and comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree that I, I just, first of all, love Harmon. How much do you love Dalton? I feel like we've all had to pussyfoot around this. We did a clubhouse earlier in the week. We're like, yeah, I mean, that's a choice. It's not my choice, but it's certainly a choice. And then Dalton just comes in here. He's like, you know what, guys? I'm just going to spit it real. (laughs) Drops the hammer. (laughs) Matt Waldwin, whom I trust, doesn't have him as a top five uh, quarterback. He has Davis Mills ahead of him. Um, He grinds a lot more days than I ever have. Um, Man, I don't know. He just seems like a one-year wonder, and he tore up bad competition. I mean, you look at those splits that I point to. That that It's it's just not nearly as good with the competition, and his schedule was super easy. So I don't know. Maybe he'll the ball out of control, but it's also a tough situation. You know, the Jets, you know, so – We'll see over 80% of his uh, rushing came on design runs. A lot of his stats came on play action. Just all the red flags you look for are, are pointing one way. It, it just it, It's weird that you're right. Why is no one talking about it? Why was he the obvious number two? To me, I think Justin Fields absolutely should have been in the conversation there at number two or my guy, Trey Lance. I, I think mean, those were the top three QBs you were getting uh, no, on my board. No disagreement here. Um, I do think from a fantasy perspective, the things that I want to keep my eye on, though, in New York – It's interesting because Joe Douglas is doing for Zach Wilson and this new coaching regime 
what he promised Sam Darnold's parents he would do, but then didn't. You know, he traded up to get him a new uh, offensive lineman in this draft and then also added Corey Davis. Now, we'll see if that turns into anything. Also has Jamison Crowder. And then they have Denzel Mims, and I'm interested in Mims. Like, he has an incredible physical skill set, a great catch radius. He was limited to nine games as a rookie. Maybe he can put it together under this new regime and with this new quarterback. That is the drumbeat over the summer that I'm going to be keeping an ear to the ground listening for. Yeah. I mean, Liz, you know that I like to be a silver linings guy right around, you know, this time of year with the NFL draft. It's a time of hope. It's a time of positivity. Uh, And with Zach Wilson, especially, I think if you do want to skew positive with him, it is a good proven offensive system that he's going to, you know, obviously he won't be being coached by Kyle Shanahan or anything, but it is that system designed throws, everything like that. It should be a lot easier for Zach Wilson landing there in that offense than uh, a different one like the Bengals or something just to pull something out of, out of, out of nowhere. Um, but also, they still have a second-round pick. There's still some receivers on the board there. Like, I would love for them to get a yards-after-catch threat receiver because I actually kind of like the amalgamation or whatever the word is of guys that they've got there. You know, they don't have a true number one, but they've got – a lot of solid players that fit into roles. Denzel Mims, I think, is a true X. Uh, Corey Davis is that move flanker guy. And Jamison Crowder can be a slot. But, like, get a guy like Rondale Moore in there in the second round. You know, a yards after catch guy that would be perfect in that offense. I, I think that would be a nice fit. So, Wilson's not going to the stone worst situation. Uh, obviously, some of his Jets uh, predecessors at the quarterback position could not say that. I mean, if you're talking about – Yeah, at least no Adam Gase. No Correct, no gates. No and gates. if you're talking about stone worst quarterbacks, that's something that the Bears have consistently put up uh, since maybe the Sid Luckman era. Who's Sid Luckman? You don't need to know. I grew up in Chicago, and so I unfortunately do know. But I have hope if we're talking about silver linings that all of that is is changing because the Bears. I have not. I have no complaints with their. Uh, with their movement in the first round, Justin Fields at the 11 spot is an incredible value. Dalton said it earlier. I He was yeah. my number two quarterback in this year's draft, and I'm nobody. But he was a lot of other really smart people's <laughs> number two. He was, heck, out of high school, ranked according to one of the recruiting sites ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Um, we've seen his skill set as far back as high school when he did that Peter Berg doc for for Netflix in his senior year of high school. Like, this kid has a gorgeous deep ball. He can deliver the ball accurately to all levels of the field. He's a threat in the running game. Does he, you know, does his accuracy wane when he throws on the run? Sure. Does he get flustered by a, a blitz and by pressure? Yes, those are things that need to be better learned. He's also incredibly tough. He's going to need to be tough in the Windy City. He's going to ha- he's going to take hits, but like I just think when I think about the juice in his arm and his ability to throw accurately, I think about Allen Robinson being a massive winner. And then I think about the fact that Allen Robinson doesn't even need a good quarterback to win because he was the wide receiver 11 in fantasy in 2020. So when people are like, oh my God, Allen Robinson is personally going to be very happy. But like, is Allen Robinson a top five wide receiver now? I mean, it's a great question because... You, as you've said, like he's already hit this. He has actually hit the top five ceiling, though, you know, before in in a previous life in Jacksonville that with Blake I mean, Bortles ranked, there. Uh, obviously, like, like are, are we actually going to rank him that aggressively? Does anyone have the stones uh, to I do it? I did it last year. I, I, I did it. I did it last year. So because <laughs> I did it last year because I got Nick frickin Foles. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably do it again this year because I think he does have that ceiling as a player. Like I, I really, truly believe that. And I think this could be a franchise altering pick for the bears. Uh, and Matt Nagy, I know gets a ton of crap for a lot of deserved reasons, but I actually don't mind a lot of what they've done from like an offensive design perspective. I think they can, um, make some stupid in-game management decisions. Obviously the front office can make a lot of stupid management decisions, period. But, I've always been a fan of the way they move Robinson around. They don't just use him as an X receiver. Like he runs a lot out of the slot too, over 30% of the time. Like that's a pretty good amount for a top level receiver. So the fact that they've given him all these favorable looks and now he's going to get those favorable looks on the receiving end of Justin Fields. It's I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it tampered down right now. But like the fact that I don't have to sit here for another off season and be like, listen, you know, Andy Dalton is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played with. And like, just whisper that through gritted teeth for the next few months. 
it's pretty exciting as a longtime Robinson guy. I think it's also exciting when we look at Darnell Mooney. Like, we don't know what's going to happen to Anthony Miller still. And Mooney definitely flashes the downfield threat, can take the lid off the defense. When I just talked about Fields' deep ball, like, this is a gorgeous marriage. We're going to talk about Jalen Waddell a little bit, who, you know, obviously has a very high ceiling. He's been comping to Tyreek Hill. But if I'm thinking about, like, upside plays in redraft later in, later in drafts, I am ranking Darnell Mooney ahead of Jalen Waddle. Talk me down. Dalton, is that crazy? First of all, just for my own sanity, I'm glad your Bears stepped up and took him at number 11, too. So he didn't reach number 12 for my Niners could have just sat there and not given up the farm. Because, <laughs> yeah, I just really talked myself into field. Uh, you said the five-star recruit. A lot of people said they're the most accurate QB they had ever charted. I don't know what I was missing there. It's 40 time. Um I mean, the, the stupid character concerns that were quickly walked back. I mean, I guess the OSU track record, but his, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins, a lot of his yards came behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, Justin Fields, to me, looks like the real deal. Excited for you Bears fans. And yeah, when you're talking about Allen Robinson, I, I do agree he's in that whatever, uh, basically that same tier, the you could argue anywhere from between 10 and 5. I love all these other young guys like Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown and McLaurin. And Calvin Ridley, if Julio Jones leads, it's tough to rank him above those. But Mooney was a great call, but he's the guy that I forgot about. And I should, yes, I got to go move him up 20 spots to where I had him because he found himself wide open as a rookie last year. And you'll get those air yards, and yes, sometimes they're overused because they're you know unrealized. But yeah, the quarterback change, and especially one who's been accurate downfield and those out NFL throws charted um, at OSU. So yeah, count me in for Mooney. Good call bumping him inside up. the what? Inside the top 40? Inside the top 50 for sure. But would you move him inside the top 40? Top 40 sounds about right. Exactly right. Right there, I have him right around, say, a Mike Williams flyer on the Chargers. That, that sounds sounds right. Right around about 40-ish. All sure. right. You know. Well, Dalton, I'm gonna I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Let's get into Trey Lance. Like, I, Don't intro it. You do it. All you. You lead the, the show now. Oh, man. So, okay. Trey, yeah, the Trey area, he apparently called line of scrimmage by uh, 19 years old when he uh, called the protections at the line of scrimmage at 19 years old when he was producing 42 touchdowns, zero interceptions. This is the guy you trade the farm for the upside, the 20-year-old who's six foot four with the cannon arm, the four five forty. you know, supposedly he's really, really smart too. But man, I mean, I was so worried. Uh, I've never been happier to lose a bet. I bet on Mac Jones. I was convinced after that bizarre press conference earlier this week, Shanahan was super defensive, um, smart. The beat writers, Tim Kawakami even flipped. He's like, yeah, they're going Mac Jones. Here's 10 reasons why this can be the biggest mistake this franchise has seen. Uh, I mean, it's, I was convinced. Jed York went on a tweet uh, storm today trolling fans. It was wild. I'm like, dude, there's no way they're going with Mac Jones after what he's saying. There's just no way he's this clueless because the fan base was going to revolt if they went with Mac Jones for many, many reasons. We don't need to get in here anymore. Uh, he's fine. A prospect to probably do well. And the Patriots, oh, why couldn't he have gone at 14? That would have been great if the Patriots didn't up with him. But but anyway, happy with Trey Lance. Obviously, a bust potential. I mean, it's unprecedented for a player with this few attempts. Even in high school, I don't think he threw like 113 passes. Um, so it's unprecedented for a guy going this high, high let alone someone trading three first-rounders uh, to draft him. But this is the type, the dual threat. Um, I was just going to give Shannon a hard time. What, is there only one specific quarterback you can you can go with if you're so smart? No, no, no. So now he's got the dual threat. Now we can unlock the playbook. Can you imagine with IU, Debo, and Kittle if they all stay healthy and, and even Mostert speed with Trent Williams returning? Um, yeah, I'm all in. I'm on board. I love Justin Fields. I'm, again, happy for Bears fans. But uh, Mac Jones for the, the, the trading that they did would have been tough for me to talk myself into. I might have done it. And now also, by the way, with, with the Patriots drafting a quarterback, Jimmy G's tougher to trade. And the whole point of this was he's tired of uh, we're, we're in win-now mode and Garoppolo cannot stay healthy. So now maybe they bring Jimmy G back and a younger Lance. I guess Garoppolo already is after his phone number, gave him a call tonight. So bring my guy Jimmy back and a young Lance, have him develop. I'm on board. It seems very antithetical to the Mac Jones um, hype, right? Like the, the thought, the prevailing thought was like, well... Shanahan is, you know, a year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. Jimmy G in a very, Matt uses this phrase all the time, quarterback-friendly system, couldn't get it done, so he's sick of it. Win-now mode. Mac Jones has the highest floor. He might help them do that. And then he, like, swerves for a a project. Like, not even a Justin Fields-level project, like a, a project project, which I think keeps 
Jimmy Garoppolo safe? The question being, obviously, can Garoppolo stay healthy? So he had yeah, to hit I, on this. One second, Matt. Sorry, sorry. Once he had to hit on this after passing on Deshaun Watson and, and Mahomes. He just absolutely could not miss on this. And I think just what happens is Chris Sims came out and he said Mac Jones, and everyone ran with it because I was concerned here even up till the the press conference afterward. I'm like. If Kyle Shanahan was talked into this today, I don't know if I love that. You know, I really don't. I mean, I wish, but it sounds like he was on board and this was a giant ruse. And they're like, we saw no reason once this was out there and everyone was convinced to say otherwise. John Lynch had the greatest quote. He said, um, you never know. The MVP of the league just very well may become on the trade block, which literally is what happened. And they said they called. I mean, that's what happened. So why, why do they, they let it be known that, no, really, Trey Lance was our guy. And that's they had John Beck. And if you followed it closely, they had his workout, his pro day. Part of the reason they traded so early is so they could have control over all this stuff. And his work day, you know, they, they had all Shanahan stuff. So supposedly they were locked in on him for a week at least. And, and that Mac Jones stuff was overblown, which I like to hear. Who knows how true it is? Sorry, Mac. Go, go Harmon. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, though. I mean, just think of all of the digital ink that was spilled, like hating a pick that never happened. Like it would, And I don't think it was ever going to happen. I, I agree with you, Dalton. I think... Like Shanahan basically made it made it known after this pick that this was the guy that they moved up for, and like I'm sure that they wanted that option to if they did decide to pivot at some point to to go a different direction. But like when you listen to what Shanahan said after getting trounced by Josh Allen uh, in the end of the last regular season, like this was the type of player that he talked about. Like yeah, you don't draw it up like with a guy like Kirk Cousins or a Mac Jones or even a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like all of these marriages of convenience that have happened uh, with Shanahan and his quarterbacks. This is the guy he's making. And you're right. It's a huge risk because this is, I think Shanahan's a great coach, but he will be judged based on this move. Like this is going to dictate his quote legacy and all that stuff. Um, I think it's a great situation for Trey Lance. You know, uh, apparently his quarterback coach was sending, you know, like videos of Trey Lance, like practicing and running things that the 49ers run in their offense, like sending that to Shanahan and stuff. So I think it's great. I also love the skill position players in San Francisco, like Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. This is a great situation for Trey, for Trey Lance to be running into. I think he's, you know, he's going to be behind Justin Fields and Trey, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, simply because of uh, just the pedigree, the, the ease to start for those two. Because I agree, I think Jimmy's going to be on this roster, uh, provided he's alive on Sunday. Uh, shout out to Kyle Shanahan for that one. Like, <laughs> as, long, as long as he's alive on Sunday, as long as we're all, all alive on Sunday, he'll be on the roster this year. And I think they, like in an ideal world, they would love to have an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes type of dynamic here where Jimmy takes them to the playoffs, but they know they still have that very defined ceiling. And then next year, regardless of how Jimmy plays, the plan is Trey Lance then. I, th I think I could see that happening, but Lance is pretty far along in his development just in terms of what he does as a line of scrimmage and everything. So who knows? I, I could believe anything when it comes to this 49ers uh, quarterback situation, but I never bought into the Mac Jones. Like it just strayed too much belief. And I agree. I think it was like Chris Sims said something. And everybody kind of ran with it. Vegas ran with it too, though, which is the interesting part. Because sometimes people say things and it doesn't really influence the Vegas lines that much. And usually you think Vegas has an idea as to what's going on. So regardless, um, one last like fun fact about Trey Lance. Um, Dalton, I don't know if you already know this, but I think it'll make you fall in love with him even more. Something that I really love about him from a character perspective, he played running back at, in like youth ball and then it wasn't until he, he, until like middle school and high school that he played quarterback, but he was playing safety as well. And he was the eighth best player overall in Minnesota and the best quarterback in the state. And despite all of that, he was listed with like an athlete designation and the head coach at Minnesota asked him to play safety. The power five schools were only interested in him as a DB or a wide receiver. And he said, nah went to North Dakota because he knew he could like play quarterback there. And they were like, yeah, come please. And then he showed out. And I just think it is Kyle Pitts similarly was like not supposed to be a tight end. They kept playing. He was a, a DE a million times was a reserve tight end. His caught three balls his first year in Florida was like, I want to be a tight end. That's what I want to be. And like the ability of these players to like know it and put it up and fight for it and themselves and put in the reps, I think is really astonishing. And now Trey Lance, the <laughs> number three overall pick in the NFL draft, a guy who like couldn't get a look from a school as quarterback is a pretty astonishing thing. 
Totally cool. Also, I guess last year that people said don't play that one game, but he did in order to get like scholarships right. for teammates to kick right. in. It was an unnecessary reason. And by the way, Shanahan walked back that quote today. He said he did it just totally, you know, uh, messing with the guy who asked the question. He didn't mean it that way. And I, I take up for his word. It seems like Jimmy G might be a part. If for no other reason with the trade clause and the contract situation, they might be stuck with him. But what, one thing I just want to bring up a crazy stat that I, that I heard of. The last 20, the 25 QBs that have been drafted since the new CBA, only one has reached its, his second contract that was not mobile, and that was Jared Goff. The times, they're totally changing, man. You need the dual threat QB, and I'm glad that Shanahan is not a dinosaur. You look at his heat maps, too, and they were totally different with Matt Ryan. And he had a little bit of a stronger arm. They actually threw the ball downfield. It wasn't just a dot little, uh, you know, wimpy arm like my Jimmy G. Well, Dalton, you are not just crushing the draft. You're also crushing all the transitions of the show because we're going to talk about a quarterback that's not particularly mobile now. And it is one Mac Jones to New England who had a theoretically mobile quarterback for a year and it didn't really work out. I think this is like a, it is such a perfect Patriots pick, but I also have to imagine that Bill Belichick is like a little bit upset that he doesn't get to enter the new era of the NFL, or at least he wasn't really able to capitalize on it with Cam Newton last year. Yeah, I wonder if they were like, you know, they wanted to do the whole, we're the new Ravens, you know, running the ball. And like, I don't know, this is just such an ugly looking skill position group anyways. I mean, obviously they made a lot of improvements in the tight end room, in the wide receiver room. And free I mean, agency, did they but, really you know, make any improvements in the wide receiver? I mean, yes, they made improvements from nothing in the wide receiver room, but like the tight end, the tight end room, definitely. Sure. But the wide receiver room, they got bodies. I don't know. You could, you could, they got new, they got new fresh warm bodies. Like they're not, not rolling guys out there anymore. That should be like sub NFL players. So congrats. Uh, but their running backs also like, aren't that dynamic either. That was something that I, you know, as I'm like looking at these, uh, like Damien Harris is a solid player. Like, I'm looking at these running back depth charts a couple weeks ago. I'm like, yeah, the Patriots want to be this run-first team, but they don't really have a ton of juice in the backfield. You know, Sony Michelle, James White, like, we're still doing this thing. It's not a great needle-moving situation for Mac Jones. I'll say that. I think that I think that makes sense. Are we expecting, though, Dalton? I, I mean, do, I don't really expect Mac Jones to be the starter week one, or do we? Cam Newton is still there in a one-year deal. Yeah, it is weird with the Cam situation. Not sure about that. But um, as much as I did not like Mac Jones as a guy you trade three drafts for, I do think he's a fine prospect coming off the highest QBR season ever. And uh, his competition was good. You look at all the advanced accuracy stats. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's an interesting prospect. He's for a sure. high floor uh, prospect. Had, There's um, no disputing that. Like he is yeah, very, absolutely. you know, pro ready. Yeah. Derek Carr-esque. He can, he can go out there, but he is so antithetical to what you brought up, the what wins in the NFL in 2020 and 2021. Oh, yeah, I'll actually go against Matt a little here and say the one guy that I was even going to wait to bring up as my wild card at the end is I kind of like how this sneaky upgrade here for Damian Harris. I think he's a baller, and one of his obviously got to stay in the field. The other problem was Cam Newton rushing for all the touchdowns. Now that he's gone and a competent – well, assuming eventually Mac Jones does take over. Maybe Cam Newton whole offseason, he returns in the COVID thing, maybe starts throwing. But from what I saw, if, if Mac Jones doesn't start week one, he'll be starting by week four. And I think Damian Harris could be like a top 20 back then and um, be a baller. But it's a leap of faith. He hasn't done it before. But without Cam stealing the short touchdowns there, and there's no one else here I see it really is like an exciting receiver. A lot of just kind of so-so options. I think uh, or Brad Evans uh, tweeted that Jacoby Myers, he loves out of the slot. But um, you know, a lot of okay options there. I like Damian Harris. I think he could sneakily uh, emerge. Let's see if the Patriots don't add to that backfield at all at the end of this draft. Um, there might be a, cu a couple of names are coming to mind, but I don't want to speculate because I know that you guys will, I believe Andy is going to be back on Sunday and go through everything that occurred. So let's talk about the receivers since this class was particularly uh, deep. Jamar Chase reunites with Joe Burrow at the five spot. I mean, I think Jamar Chase is probably going to be the, you know, rookie one and keeper in dynasty leagues at the wide receiver position. Um, he's going to see a ton of balls. Matt, you talked about this. You predicted it correctly on the clubhouse we did earlier in the week. Yeah, it sounded like this was the direction they were going for a while now, even though a lot of mock drafts like started to swing back to Penny Sewell today. Uh, but 
Chase was the pick. And, you know, you can look at this a couple of different ways. Number one, isn't it so heartwarming? We got all of these nice little reunions between college passers and their wide receivers with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tua and Jalen Waddle and Jalen Hurts and uh, Devontae Smith. Like, how how uh, how lovely that was uh, with this particular reunion, though. Number one, it is funny that everyone out there is like, protect Joe Burrow, protect Joe Burrow. But you got to think that Burrow is the one that's in there with the like Bengals brass and be like, no, give me my guy. Give me my guy. Give me my guy. And sometimes we don't know what the best thing is for our own selves. So there is something to that. But. Listen, I think the biggest weakness in the Bengals offensive line is in the interior. Um, You're not going to take – I mean, I I don't think you want to go in and disrupt the flow of your offensive line, like bump Jonah Williams to tackle or something like that. Like Riley Reef went – got out of Minnesota specifically because he didn't want to get bumped into guard. So there's a dynamic there that they're just not going to mess with. I think they can address the offensive line later on. Um, And this move, I do think on face value was – the, the need for a true number one X receiver that could win downfield for the Bengals, I think is just as glaring as their need for an offensive lineman. Because you look at that offense, even when Burrow was in there last year, it was bad when it came to pushing the ball down the field. Like it was all short stuff. And maybe some of that is Joe Burrow. Like I think he's not the strongest arm quarterback in the NFL, but Having Jamar Chase running them vertical routes for you is going to make life a lot easier than like the dusty version of A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd in the slot, and T. Higgins, who I think is a number two possession receiver. So like the Bengals offense now officially has a strength, and I think that goes a long way uh, in an offense that, that could be pretty interesting in, in 2021 if Joe Burrow Well, I think healthy. there's a well-defined triplet and a solid one, assuming that all of the um – positions are owned. I am interested to see how it affects T Higgins volume. Higgins averaged over seven targets per game, six touchdowns, finished a top 30 wide receiver for fantasy. This is always a debate that fantasy people have, right? And Matt, I've heard you say this before, Dalton, I think you as well. Like when people say like, oh, well, it helps him because, you know, he's not a number one. And so he'll, you won't have to handle all of that defensive attention. But also the other side of that is like, well, then he also isn't going to get as many looks. So is it volume or is it coverage? Which situation bodes best for Higgins next year with the addition of Chase? I definitely bumped Higgins down. Maybe I had him ranked too aggressively, but after the Chase move, I definitely lowered him eight, 10 spots. Yeah, for me, it's volume here. That's another mouth to feed. It definitely hurts Higgins and Mike and, and Tyler Boyd. Um, maybe a yeah, good move for Joe Burrow. Man, Joe Mixon can only stay healthy, but all the receivers are downgrade for me. And I didn't really see any rookie receiver that I that looked too enticing in, in, in redraftable leagues. But I'm mostly going to shut up during this wide receiver segment and listen to you guys talk. I think it's just a, it's a quad like I, the the slice of the pie has this is something I say all the time too like the slice of the pie has definitely gotten smaller for Higgins but it's probably a tastier dish overall that you're eating from now that Jamar Chase is there so yeah it's but it's a downgrade for fantasy because he's just you're if you were going to project like he had 108 targets last year I think you're probably looking at about that same level this year like there's not going to be a jump to 120 or something like that. Um, and you know, any hope that like Tyler Boyd's just always wide receiver 34 in your rankings in like half PPR and PPR leagues. Like you, you can just leave him there for another year. But I do think Chase could easily see 110 and then it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if Higgins sees like 95 under a hundred. There's an outcome where all three of these guys go over a thousand yards though. Just like if this offense really fires off, but like that also would require us knowing who the hell like Zach Taylor is as a person and or play caller. I have just don't really understand what, what they like, what that dynamic is. And, and how soon Burrow will be healthy and available. Also true. <laughs> like we have to see when he's going to, when he's going to. Did you hear, uh, Booger, hear Booger, Booger McFarlane on the telecast today said the last time we saw Joe Burrow, his knee was no, I didn't. the wrong We're way. Going the opposite direction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last time we like saw Joe Burrow though was actually uh, the the like team uniform thing, like nude uniform update that they tweeted out when you could literally see the scar like running down his oh, leg, and it's yeah. just, I mean, it's a it's a tough look. But I actually, and Joe Mixon, a winner in this too. Like he even tweeted out himself, like can't stack the box as much anymore. And I do think that That's matters fair. when it comes to like yeah. you can actually open up this offense more. Like you can push the ball down the field because you have Jamar Chase and not, you know, John Ross or Aud- like Auden Tate. Give me a break. Also adding, you mentioned another reunion. Jalen Waddle reunites with Tua Tungabailoa, um, speedster, playmaker, comped very similarly 
to Tyreek Hill throughout the draft and scouting process. I don't think that it's the interesting part here is that we don't have to have conversations about rapport building, especially in an off season where COVID is probably still going to be affecting our access um, in terms of like a realistic drumbeat or how loud that drumbeat is or what kind of beat information beat reporters are able to like ascertain and deliver. But we know that there's rapport here. We know what Waddle can do. There are some durability concerns, right? There's going to be some consistency concerns. I think less for redraft. The exciting thing about Waddle is going to be DFS because we know his ceiling is, is so high. And can he hit that Tyreek Hill level of production in year one? Probably not, right? Like I'm probably going to keep him outside of my top 45-ish in redraft overall. But you know there's going to be some weeks that he just goes off in daily fantasy. Yeah, this whole class, by the way, seems like very small receivers. But uh, yeah, again, very similar to Cincinnati's situation. I downgraded Devontae Parker, downgraded Will Fuller, and don't love Jalen Waddell. I mean, that certainly helps Tua. They're going all in on. And interesting there, the running back, they didn't address the running back position, which I thought they might with their two picks. Um, But yeah, yeah. yeah, nothing great for, for redraft leagues with Waddle. But um, do you have any thoughts? Uh, you charted charted Waddle, Harmon? Yeah, I my my thought overall about this is yeah, it's it's not it's not like the biggest winning spot for Jalen Waddle from a fantasy angle. But man, this Dolphins offense suddenly looks really, really like explosive and fun. These were uh, the players that Tua Tungavailoa targeted uh, in the the last time they faced the Patriots to end last year. So that was, what, like week 15, something like that last year. Durham Smythe, Lynn Bowden Jr., Mac Hollins, Isaiah Ford, Adam Shaheen, Patrick Laird, and Selvan Ahmed. Yuck. Like, that, what, what the hell is that? Now he's going to walk into week two, not week one, because that's when Will Fuller will be available. He's going to have Will Fuller. He's going to have Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, like now we're going to actually, I think, get a chance to see what Tua can do because that is a really tantalizing and explosive group. Like Parker's not the separator that Fuller or uh, especially Jalen Waddell is, but he's still a downfield guy as well because he's a contested catch. Exactly. So, and, and, you know, Gusecki is going to, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him like Waddle probably should play the slot a decent amount too. Like this is suddenly an offense in Miami with a ton of juice. And, you know, at the end of last season, it was literally anything, but I mean, Tua was working with like sub NFL talent. Felt like a two year injury that hip felt two years to me that hip too, to totally be right. Is it enough, Matt, for you to rank Tua inside the top 20 quarterbacks in redraft? I mean, yeah, it's like quarterback. You're going to hate this answer, but it's like quarterback 15 to quarterback 25. Who cares? What's the difference? Um, but maybe, maybe if I'm, if I'm feeling spicy, I'm kind of rooting for Tua at this point. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the next, I mean, we're going to go out of order here. I want to talk about Daniel Jones next, because if we're talking about investing in these quarterbacks, like obviously <sighs> Gettleman is trying to do everything he can possible for Daniel Jones. And so <laughs> I, when I was thinking about, the you were watching these investment happen and I'm watching Tua and I'm watching Daniel Jones and obviously Jones has you know more NFL experience than Tua Tungabayola right now I think there were so many I was not one of these there were so many like all in on Jones last year they did lose some playmakers Saquon Barkley etc due to injuries but I think I'm gonna have to rank Jones ahead of Tua again this year because we now we're adding Kadarius Tony. He can do a lot, maybe not the crispest route runner, but certainly has wild athletic ability. Awesome after the catch. You've got, they added Kenny Galladay. We've still got Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, one of the best catching running, uh, pass catching running backs in the league. Uh, Darius Slayton, still body around yep. there. That's a lot of investment. My biggest worry, honestly, with the Tony signing or the Tony addition is like Jason Garrett's the offensive coordinator oh, here. Yep. Right. Yep, like, yep. I, I don't understand if you're Jason Garrett and you have we see we saw what he did in Dallas. We have a lot of data from his time in Dallas. And we know that like Cole Beasley was an intricate part of that offense. And we know that like I, I this was not my comp for Elijah Moore. My comp for Elijah Moore was Tyler Lockett. But a lot of people said he had overlap with Cole Beasley. Like, why is that not the pick? Because now, you know, this skill set he has a Elijah Moore has a higher like floor, I would say. Than Tony, and you know that your play caller also 
can do something with that skill set. I just don't trust Jason Garrett to deliver on all of these pieces for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think when you look at New York, it's really easy to make at first, it's really easy to say, oh, Daniel Jones is like this year's Josh Allen, you know, a quarterback that we all laughed at when he got drafted. Um, he's but he's so far has not been he's been volatile at best in the league, which is I think what you could say about Daniel Jones. I think you could have said that about Josh Allen going into last year. Uh, and also, again, another through line here, like Jones is, you know, he's got athletic ability too. like we saw him trip at the end of that admittedly very long run on Thursday night football against the Eagles. Like he's got some juice there, too. He's not just a statue. Uh, the Giants, just like the Bills, have vastly improved his receiver core. I mean, it's not just the depth of talent, which you just listed off, Liz. It's also how there's a lot of diversity in this room, too. I mean, Shepard's like a slot guy. Galladay's a vertical X receiver. Slayton's like a perfect number two. Tony is um, probably just Cordero Patterson. But, like, there's a lot of juice there, you know, after, after the catch. Uh, <laughs> but, again, the problem becomes, like, is Daniel Jones really going to make that leap like Josh Allen did as an individual player. History would tell us probably not. And even more of a ding in the confidence department here is Brian Dayball was one of the most progressive, like up-tempo, wide receivers, play action all over the field. I don't think Jason Garrett, I don't think Jason Garrett's going to do that. So it's tough. I think the Giants absolutely made a mistake not taking Justin Fields at number 11. I mean, even the quarterback contracts of rookie are affordable. I understand Daniel Jones is, you have to admit that mistake, but that's the route I would have gone. This seems weird taking a receiver here after signing Galladay and, and, and Kyle Rudolph with the addition of Shepard Slayton and Ingram. Oh, yeah, um, Kyle Rudolph too. That's I, right. I mean, I, I maybe address the old lineman, the Christian Derrissaw there. Um, I don't know about adding another receiver here. That just seems totally um superfluous their and, and unnecessary yeah they're you're right their yes, line, their line, their stinks, line yeah. is, is a their problem defense, like their, their their receiver core could be as good as they want but their line stinks yeah they made sneaky additions to their defense too by the way but i still project them to finish nearly probably last in that division with their quarterback i would have gone for the swung for the fences with fields at 11 he fell to them um and going back to 20 to get another receiver and uh, i wasn't a super fan of it but then again it's not like i know much about tony but it just i don't doesn't seem doesn't seem it seems weird fit Dalton, let's stay in the division because you were already high on Jalen Hurts with the Eagles. You had said he was one of your top 10 quarterbacks in fantasy. Now he gets Devonta Smith. How happy are you? Oh, yeah, great. They didn't, I was worried they're going to get some competition there for a second, but no. Uh, adding some weapons for him. Yeah, I'm going to have him uh, in, in that 5-8 to eight range. Um, yeah, big-time fantasy upside with his legs, and I'd love to see them adding a receiver because obviously he needed there with Jalen Rieger. Uh, projected as the number one there. So big, I expect a big Dallas Goddard season. Big Dallas Goddard season. Um, Matt, you mentioned in your rapid reaction clip that you felt like Devonta, Devonta Smith was one of the highest floor picks here, should thrive on just volume. About like, since you don't like rankings and I don't blame you for that, what tier would you put him in? Well, I don't know. I mean, he's going to be part of that like big wide receiver three glut uh at yeah. this point uh, there's a lot of volume there and I just think he fits so much as like a very safe like layup target for uh Jalen Hurts you would expect them to run sort of some of that RPO stuff uh that you know Hurts is a good fit with and I think uh, obviously Devonta Smith is a good fit with running that type of offense too that's what they did at Alabama a lot last year like I you could see some of those reps in Philly next year and I think he's like just sky high much better prospect than Jalen Rager was and like I think how he finally broke his cold streak like he was, <laughs> he was getting getting about as bad as you could get when it comes to drafting wide receivers in Philly like JJ Arcega Whiteside is not even like in the conversation to start this year and and like their receiver depth chart you know 24 hours ago was one of the worst in the league so um I think this is a good I think it's a good pick uh, for them uh and, you like you know, him I, right I, you charted him and you like Smith oh, he's yeah, not too baby. small oh, he's yeah. not he's like no jamming him you're not worried in the next level he's in size yeah okay you love him yeah I mean even if, even if he's never like a true number one receiver I have a hard time seeing him as a guy that's gonna bust out of the league and 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 fail he's very skinny though there's no denying that <laughs> Interestingly, I was just looking up the numbers for the Eagles receiving core and the most targeted, this is 2020, I'm double checking, the most targeted wide receiver on the Eagles last year was Greg Ward with 79 targets. Oh, yeah. Correct. Over 16 yeah. games. Yeah. So, Tra Tra oh, Travis, Fulgham, Travis Fulgham was a thing for like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. What happened I mean, to that? What happened to that? That's... 
I'll always remember ODU's finest, Travis Fulgham. I think he, I think he fell out of favor, but I mean, I think we can, you know, imagine volume obviously for Devonte Smith here. Um, oh yeah, not so much volume probably for Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore. Very, uh, very interesting pick uh, for, in real life football, right? I, I, I like it a lot in real life. Bateman was a stud in the Big Ten. He's you know got X Y potential. You can move him all over the place. Another skinnyish guy uh, was not in fact over six feet. Like PJ Fleck said, he was big surprise. Uh, but um, he now <laughs> <laughs> he now joins Lamar Jackson, uh, offering him another weapon. But I just don't think in fantasy there's like enough volume for it to really matter. Yeah, agreed. They added Sammy Watkins too, and in that offense, not enough volume exactly. Greg Roman, open it up, please, bro. Come on. <laughs> Love Rashad Bateman, but uh, yeah, it's it's tough. This is he is like the perfect thing that the Ravens needed though. Because uh, I think he can be great over the middle, uh, can also p- actually win outside versus press coverage. But yeah, just for fantasy, there's just not going to be um, a lot of juice here unless this is a signal from Baltimore that they're going to, you know, this is a wholesale change in their in what they want to be as an offense. And I just I don't think you can really tell yourself that story. Wrapping up the wide receivers that went the first day of the NFL draft, we've got Jamar Chase to Cincinnati, Jalen Waddle to Miami. Philadelphia trades up to 10 for Devontae Smith. Kadarius Tony goes to the Giants and Rashad Bateman to Baltimore. Dalton, who do you like the most out of this group? Given uh, Philly's uh, lack of competition, I'll lean toward Devontae Smith here and also Harmon loves him. So yeah, give me Smith. Harmon, are you agreeing with Dalton because of Smith's floor and volume that he would be your pick of the bit a bunch too? I, I think he's the safest one, but I, I'll go Jamar Chase here uh, for a lot of the same logic that I keep coming back to with him, which is that I think his the role that he's going to fill for this team, that X receiver spot that wins downfield. I mean, Chase was such a good prospect because he just checks every single box. Uh, like he can win off the line of scrimmage. He can get enough separation. He's not Devontae Smith. He's not Jalen Waddle when it comes to separation, but he can get enough to be that outside receiver great at the catch point surprisingly like always sneaks up on you how good he is after the catch like they needed that role but especially a guy that could win downfield i think he's going to be kind of the the like little layer of whipped cream on the top here that just takes this offense to the next level so give me him in, in 2021 i would have to agree i like chase the most as well because i think also the whole of the Bengals offense is just more supercharged with the addition of Chase. There are other pieces that are also going to help lift this whole offense. And I think that like Smith, especially given his weight, might be overwhelmed a little bit. Yes, the volume will be higher, but the quality of targets maybe not so much. So I'm agreeing with you, Harmon, and I'm going to take Chase as well. Uh, Let's look at a couple of last players. Kyle Pitts to Atlanta. Very exciting. There's a presumptive thought. Stop me if you've heard this one before that Tight ends don't really matter in fantasy in their first year, but Kyle Pitts is also being called a unicorn by everybody and everybody's um, mom, basically. So is Kyle Pitts the exception to the rule? Dalton, what say you? Yeah, he's like the Calvin Johnson of prospects of the position. I'm going to have immediately as a tight end one, as a top 10 tight end. Yeah, Atlanta's a good situation too, indoors, uh, no running back on the roster and a poor defense. So yeah, I, I like him right away, yeah. Matt, I have a feeling you're in agreement. Yeah, he might have T.E. next to his name, just like T.J. Hawkinson does, uh, but they're not doing the same things out on the field there. Like, you're not deploying them in the same way. So I think that Kyle Pitts can have a really good impact in, in year one. And also, by the way, like, tight end is disgusting. Like, you get to tight end five, six, seven, a guy in Kyle Pitts that's going to be a day one starter that is this level of prospect playing in an offense, like, with the guy at the joystick that basically made the Titans one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL the last couple of years, you got Calvin Ridley there. Like it's this this pick signals to me they're all in on Matt Ryan the next couple of years. They basically have to be because their salary cap situation is hellacious. Like they have to get the most, like squeeze every possible ounce they can out of this little arrow with Matt Ryan. So I I, I, I love the like assuming Julio Jones is going to be there too. I know we're not supposed to talk too much about day two, day three. I expect at some point they're going to take a running back that's you know better than Mike Davis. Um, I'm going to be excited about the Falcons' offense next year. I think that's a. I 
agree. I'm also excited about Najee Harris landing to Pittsburgh. Like maybe this offensive line is not very good in Pittsburgh. That's fine. But I love that Mike Tomlin consistently likes a workhorse. Najee Harris, like the most complete back in this rookie class. Awesome catch radius. He's, He's strong. He's got size. He can do a whole lot. Like he's touching the ball 18 times on average, a top 15 pick at the position in fantasy. If I'm being asked, maybe even top 12, what Dalton, where are you ranking Najee Harrison? How glad are you that he like landed someplace where we can lean into an every down ability and actually see it happen week to week? Yeah, the run blocking was really bad on Pittsburgh last year, but it's still a great spot. I have him 14th tentatively in my half PPR right away because, yeah, I just should immediately see a workload that's, it's, yeah, like, unlike many other back. Ben, Big Ben was so bad the second half last year, but hopefully he's not totally washed. And yeah, he's given how few workhorses there are, he's a, immediately a top 15 type off option. Matt, do you have anything else to add on Harris? Are you down on him? I'm, I am a little, I admit to being a little conflicted because uh, I like the player a lot. Uh, I think he reminds me of like a Steven Jackson type of player. Um, he's really fun, really fun to watch. Uh, theoretically, this should be a good offense. It's not just the offensive line too, though. It's just the overall questions about how good is Pittsburgh at this point? Like is Big Ben cooked? I don't know. I I haven't quite settled. Uh, I'm going to write about this in the piece that I'm, I'm filing tonight too. I have the, he's a player that like coming out of round one, I expected him to go to Pittsburgh, but I still even then have not really settled on how I feel about Najee Harris. Like some of the talk about, yeah, like, oh, is he a second round pick in fantasy already? Like, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, the position is so volatile and the legs are fresh and I just can't help to say that he's not. But Travis Etienne is the only other running back that went in the first round. And this is, you know, a very different type of player like an incredibly, um, like a playmaker, right? Like a guy who excels in space, who turned into an incredible pass catcher in his final year in college. Matt, I'll start with you first. What do you think about his landing spot? I mean, RIP to everyone that wanted James Robinson to be a thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard not to see that coming at some point that they were going to make a significant investment in the backfield. But I, I will say the thing that, I don't know that I'm going to be that excited to draft to draft him personally this year, but this is just another reason for me to be sneaky excited about the Jags offense this year. Like if Trevor Lawrence is everything he's cracked up to be and we have no reason to think that he's not like this is a good group of skill position players. Travis Etienne brings explosiveness to the backfield like James Robinson is still kicking around. There is a good player. Carlos Hyde will have one game this year. Urban Myers out here calling him the one B after the draft. Urban, please get a hold of yourself. Uh, but you know, Carlos Hyde will have that one game a year where it's like, man, he's still got fresh legs. What a, what a, wow. Look at that. DJ Chark, Marvin Jones is so underrated. LaVisca Chanel could do some gadgety things like their tight end room stinks, but apparently their Tim Tebow is going to be their tight end <laughs> one. So <laughs> I can't believe that's a real thing that happened today. That headline. But anyways, it's a, it's a good group. It's a good group in Jacksonville. Like, I think this is an offense that if it's, if, Fantasy drafters allow it to slip down the board. I'm going to be picking these values up later. I mean, the Marvin Jones sleeper pieces are writing themselves already. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be tough to get ahead, get out ahead on that one. <laughs> Dalton, were you um, were you a James Robinson super fan last year? I know Andy was. He was great, but this was the risk you had if you did early best balls is there was just no ties to that regime now. And, man, that's just a horrible landing spot here for fantasy managers. Um, uh, yeah, Urban Meyer literally did say the one-two punch, punch him and Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde has an Ohio State connection there. And then ATN's going to be the third down back. So that's not good at all. That's just a big one big uh, committee there. So Robinson was good. It wasn't just the volume. He was also, he passed the eye test. But it's a problem now adding a rookie that they spent a first round pick on. Yeah, that's that's not good for fantasy. Any parting thoughts, Dalton, uh, about any of the other picks that stood out to you? No, just other than uh, if Jimmy G does get traded or goes down again, my guy Trey Lance with those weapons and that and Shanahan offense and with those legs, I mean, he's what? What is he? He's right there with like Hertz and, and Murray right right away. He's right there. Russell Wilson, number seven. He's a top 10 fantasy QB as a rookie, given his running ability and the weapons around him the moment he becomes a starter. Am I crazy being a homer? 
No, I don't. I don't think you're crazy. Also, I just I'm so happy that um, I'm here with both of your good energies, <laughs> yeah. you know, about about these yeah. young quarterbacks. Like I, I was really mentally prepared, like spiritually prepared for just this week, miserable yeah. Dalton version of Dalton that was going to be on the pod tonight. My pick for, uh, you know, like a, another pick that stood out for me. Uh, the Chargers just continue to like quietly kind of go about their business. Uh, Rashawn Slater, I think, is a home run pick for them at 13th overall. Um, they just need quality in that offensive line. They're not doing the flashy thing, right? Like Dave Gettleman just throwing anything at the wall to see if it sticks for Daniel Jones. Like, I want some of these receivers. I got to work out for this guy, right? Um, They've got a decent enough plan, but like I like just quietly building up the line around Justin Herbert, getting him stuff there. I I really like that pick a lot, and I think it's going to benefit players like Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and, you know, Mike Williams every uh, five weeks. Well, I'm the pick, obviously, I, that I am the most in love with is Justin Fields. But again, I just want to reiterate what I think it does for Darnell Mooney, who's going to be a sneaky, sneaky play. That's the obvious pick for me, though. I want to say I'm surprised that we did a whole uh, round one draft show and didn't mention the Packers pick at 29 and the fact that they still went defense, despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers is on his way. By the way, did anybody know that one of the horses that is running in the Kentucky Derby, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers is going to the Derby, it's May 1st, is named Known Agenda. That is the, uh, yes, all of my money on Known Agenda to win at the Kentucky Derby. But I do think it's interesting that the Packers take not an offensive player, but in fact, a cornerback out of Georgia. And this is a situation that I'm going to watch. And I think our pod producer, Brett might be very excited to see Aaron Rodgers in a Broncos uniform, even though we're not allowed to speculate. Maybe I'm allowed to speculate about that particular move. I have a thought real quick. So I put a sizable bet on the Broncos at 50 to one, like six weeks ago when they, I was seeing that defense defense they were putting together. I mean, Mike Clay literally has them, the number one defensive unit in the entire football. Look at their receivers. Um, and Deshaun Watson was the favorite to get traded there. Obviously, that went wrong. I, I nearly ripped up my ticket. Oh, Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. gets traded there. Now we're cooking. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm with Brett here and rooting for that trade. So And, and they passed on fields. I mean, they say because of Teddy Bridgewater. But that obviously signals to me that, you know, a trade might be in the works because Rodgers is stubborn, man. So, yeah, I, I, I see him going to the Broncos. Heat it. Up, heat it up. All right, one programming note. Scott and Andy will be back in your ears first thing Monday recapping rounds two to seven. But if you're looking for more college talk, you can follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. You can also follow Post It Up with Chris Haynes for all things uh, NBA. And his guest this week was Dr. J. So I don't know, maybe you've heard of him. You might want to check that out. You can also check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and at Dalton Del Don. And we are out.